Today's message is the last in a series of 13 messages as we have spent this summer going through the book of Psalms, and we've called this series, If I'm Honest. And you guys, (laughs) if I'm honest, I can tell you that I don't know of a time where I've seen so much tension in our culture. If I'm honest, I can tell you that I I don't know when I have seen so much division within our culture. There is so much division and so much tension. So I thought probably a good psalm to focus on would be a psalm that would be about unity. So what is unity? Watch this. No surprise, the same team again. Team Maximilian Art. The second day in a row, the German crowd had a lot to cheer about. Art, perfect, all the way down the track. good friend Andrew Sewell. Uh, Andrew and his family have been part of Blackhawk for uh, more than 20 years. He's the conductor of the Wisconsin uh, Chamber Orchestra. So, uh, man, what a summer they've had with no concerts on the square. I mean, you think you've had a rough summer. Uh, There you go. Three different pictures of unity right there. Unity is Teamwork. So I showed a team from Germany, a team from Japan, and a team uh, from Wisconsin. Unity is not the same as uniformity. Uniformity is everybody's doing the same thing at the same time. Unity is different. Unity is different kinds of people playing different instruments, different notes, producing the same song. Unity is different people with different kinds of skills. Uh, One skill is moving the rope like that, and another skill is jumping. Jumping and circling a rope are not the same skills. And unity is about different timing. I mean, the sequence of those guys jumping into the bobsled, they don't all jump in at the same time. There is a specific practice sequence, and that makes them go faster than anyone else. Unity, you guys, is a beautiful thing. In fact, when unity takes place, I mean, it's like, it's breathtaking. Listen, church, we have an opportunity in the world today, in 2020, we have an opportunity to display unity like never before. Listen, our culture is tearing itself apart. 
There is so much division about COVID, about politics, about race. It's a beautiful opportunity for the church made up of different kinds of people from different backgrounds who think differently about all kinds of different things to sing and play one song as the body of Christ. We have an opportunity to display, not uniformity, but unity in our culture today. So I thought it would be good for us to look at a psalm that is about this beauty of unity. The psalm we're going to look at today is no one's favorite. It's a small psalm. You probably have skipped over it many times, and if you did read it, you go, what's that about? The psalm is Psalm 133. So take your devices, grab your Bible, and turn to Psalm 133. Here's what it says. Just read off the screen with me. A song of a sense of David. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It is like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. It is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion, for there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life evermore. Psalm 133, that's the whole psalm. And some of you are looking at me and you're going, I am so disappointed right now, Pastor Chris. I mean, I was kind of inspired and encouraged. I kind of wanted you to preach a psalm about unity, and then you throw that up there. Like, what is that about? I get the first verse, but what is this thing about the oil pouring on somebody's head? I mean, that sounds kind of messy. It doesn't sound inspiring. So let's just stop, 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 stop. Remember what we say here at Blackhawk all the time. The Bible's not written to us. It's written for us, not to us. That psalm meant something very inspiring to the people to whom it was written. Every time, you guys, you open the Bible, you're opening a different culture. You're going back in time, and you're learning something about a culture that was either in the Old Testament or in the New Testament. So you have to ask yourself the question, well, what, what did it mean in that culture? Because when we move from culture to culture, words can mean different things. It's like when my family moved from Louisiana to Wisconsin 26 years ago, and someone came up to us and said, have you ever had frozen custard? I thought, that sounds awful. Frozen what? It's like a pudding or cheese or like, what is that? Oh, you've got to try frozen custard. So I tried some frozen custard. Oh my gosh, I thought, this is fantastic. I said, this tastes like ice cream. Everyone in Wisconsin said, it's not ice cream, it's custard. Like, what, 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 what? It's a different culture here in Wisconsin than it is in Louisiana, trust me. So this frozen custard is a new thing that I had to get used to. It meant something different up here. So these words that are written in Psalm 133, they meant something to the people that they were written to. For us to appreciate the power of unity, we have to kind of understand what those meant. Well, who was it written to? Well, Psalm 133 was written to a group of people who were on a pilgrimage, and they're making their way to uh, Jerusalem. We get that from the title of the psalm. It's called A Song of Ascents of David. 
There are 15 of these, and uh, they go from Psalm 120 to Psalm 134. And a song of ascents is um, songs, literal songs, that the people of Israel would sing as they made their way up to Jerusalem. No matter where you were in Israel, Jerusalem was up because it was kind of like on a mountain, so you always had to ascend. And as they would make their way in three different pilgrimage feasts, they would sing these songs. This is one of those songs. The first verse is easy to understand. First verse goes like this. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. That's pretty easy to understand. When God's people live together in unity, it's good and it's pleasant. It's a beautiful thing. It's like, and then verse 2 is like, what? It is like precious oil poured on the head running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. This is, it's like precious oil when it's poured on the head. Whose head? That's the key. Whose head? Aaron's head. Whose robe? Aaron's robe. Well, what? Who's Aaron? Like, what's that about? Okay, everybody look here. Imagine like Jesus lives at this time right here, And then 500 years before Jesus, the last book of the Old Testament is written, that's Malachi. 500 years before Malachi, this great king lives, his name was David. That's 1,000 years before Jesus. 500 years before David is this guy that went on top of this mountain and carried down these tablets. His name is Moses. Moses has a brother, and Moses' brother's name is? That's right. That's Aaron. Moses is giving all kinds of instructions from God. You can find this in the last chapters of the book of Exodus about building this thing called a tent of meeting. And in this tent of meeting, it was going to be an opportunity for God to dwell with his people. And in the last chapters of Exodus, there are all kinds of specific instructions about building certain kinds of furniture, building certain kinds of things, and then... Moses was to take this certain kind of oil, a very specific kind of oil, and sprinkle it on the curtain, sprinkle it on the furniture, sprinkle it on everything in the tent of meeting. And when he finished that, he was supposed to take some of that oil and pour it on his brother's head. We read in Exodus chapter 30. You shall anoint Aaron and his sons and consecrate them that they may serve me as priests. And you shall say to the people of Israel, this shall be my holy anointing oil throughout your generations. It shall not be poured on the body of an ordinary person, and you shall make no other like it in composition. It is holy, and it shall be holy to you. That's the oil That's the thing David is talking about in Psalm 133. David is hearkening back to the very initiation of the entire priesthood of Israel. It's like when unity is like, it's precious, it's different, 
It's like that oil. You know that oil. It's not ordinary oil. It's holy oil. You know what holy means, right? Holy translates the Hebrew word kadash. It, it means, um, holy means uh, set apart. It means different. You know, uh, pre-COVID, uh, we had a bathroom in our house that was holy, holy bathroom. That's when we used to have guests over. We don't have any guests over now because of COVID. But we have a holy bathroom. And I wasn't allowed to go into that bathroom. And in that bathroom, there is a holy towel. Holy towels, actually. Holy rug. Uh, holy soap. And I can't go in that holy room. It's set apart. It's uh, for the guests. Now, you know, COVID's happening, so I've just, I just go in. It's not holy anymore because I'm in there. Holy means set apart, different. It's not ordinary. Unity is holy. It's, it's not ordinary. It's, it's different. You know, it's like the oil that Moses used to initiate the priesthood when he poured it on his brother's head. You know, priesthood uh, is something that happened uh, in the Old Testament days. We don't have priesthood today. We don't need a priest because Jesus is our priest. All of us have access to the Holy of Holies through the work of Jesus Christ. But when David wrote the psalm, Psalm 133, and he said, unity is good and pleasant, it's, he said it's like oil poured on Aaron's head. It's, it's not ordinary. Not ordinary at all. It's unique. It's different. He also had another metaphor. It's about Herman. What's Herman? Look at verse 3. It is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion. That would be like Jerusalem. For there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life evermore. David is saying unity is good and pleasant. It's, uh, it's not ordinary. It's like that oil. And it's like the dew of Hermon. Well, like, what is that? Well, here's a picture of Hermon. Hermon is a, a mountain complex, and it's north of Jerusalem. Here's a map of Israel. 200 miles north of Jerusalem is Mount Hermon. And on top of Mount Hermon, there's like snow pretty much all the time. The dew of Hermon stands for water, for refreshment, and it like was always always there. There's no river in Jerusalem. There's no source of pure, refreshing water in Jerusalem. Unity is it's refreshing. It would, be like, it would be like the water of Mount Hermon. Here's some uh, cold, refreshing water and uh, with ice in it. You know, one of the things I don't like about the United States is that uh, most of the people in the United States take this for granted. You guys, 35% of the world's population can't do what I just did. They don't have access to clean water. Mm. And it's refreshing. Unity is like that. When you see unity, it's like, whoa. That's refreshing. And it's not ordinary. It's holy. It's set apart. It's like very different. 
So how do we apply this to our lives? We read Psalm 133. I tried to explain it. How do we, how do we make this come alive in 2020 in Madison, Wisconsin? Just imagine uh, that uh, you're talking to someone in your family or one of your neighbors, and uh, they've decided not to wear a mask. And uh, you think everybody should have a mask. And all of a sudden, uh, you realize that they have some energy about not wearing a mask. And there's a little bit of tension in the room. Like, whoa, whoa, whoa. What do we do about that? Or let's just imagine that the subject of politics comes up. Oh, man. And you just feel the room getting tense. Or let's imagine that you're talking to someone maybe in your new life group or someone maybe that you know that goes to Blackhawk and they're talking about race and what happened in Kenosha, Jacob Blake. And all of a sudden you realize that there is a lot of tension going on. What do we do about that? How can we display unity when our neighbors and our culture tearing themselves apart? Now, some of you are saying right now, well, Pastor Chris, you know, uh, this passage is all about uh, unity within the body of Christ and, you know, how we should all be united. But, but it's not about uh, trying to help our neighbors be unified or anything. It's not about anything. I, I'm going to push back at that. I'm going to push back at that. Just a second here. God's children should be people who practice unity. And when we practice unity, if we take that practice out into our culture, we can actually be peacemakers. Who said we should be peacemakers? Well, it's Jesus. Remember what Jesus said? Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. And when God's children know how to live in unity, they take that, those skills out into the neighborhood. We can be peacemakers, not peace breakers. So I'm just going to give you some tips. And these are suggestions uh, that I have prayed about. I think, well, these are not the kind of things that guarantee unity, but they can just be some learnings that can help us as we move towards unity. Here's the first tip. First tip is this. Am I being kind? From 2 Timothy 2.24, and the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but must be kind to my friends, able to teach. Oh, doesn't say that, does it? It says kind to everyone. I wonder if everyone means people that vote differently. I wonder if everyone means people who feel strongly about something that's important. They feel different. Is that, is that, is that, is that the everyone? Paul said we should be, the Lord's bondservants should be kind to everyone. We think of kindness as a social skill. Paul, the apostle, thought of it as a spiritual skill because when we're not kind, spiritual things take place. If we continue to read in that passage, we would read this. Opponents must be gently instructed in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth and that they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil 
who has taken them captive to do his will. Do you see the battle there between those verses? There is like God on one side and the devil on the other side. And when we are kind, it keeps people from falling into the trap that the devil has set. You guys, listen. Uh, the devil spends a lot of his time trying to divide people, to divide the body of Christ and divide a uh, culture. The devil doesn't have to spend much time trying to uh, make the culture wicked or evil. The culture is wicked and evil like on its own. He just lets it go and it just, just is evil. The whole world lies in the lap of the evil one. What the devil focuses on is to get people who like each other to divide. There you go. And when I am not kind to someone, that causes them to fall into the trap of the devil. Are you working for God or are you working for the enemy? Just saying. Here's another tip. Am I building others up? Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only that which is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. I'm not supposed to let any unwholesome talk come out of my mouth. Some of the jokes and sarcasm that seems real funny on Facebook and the internet, that might be kind of unwholesome in this context. I'm not supposed to have that come out of my mouth. But only that which is, you know, kind, which is encouraging, we can build others up. I'm just saying. Those are the kind of practices that can lead to unity. Here's another tip. Am I trying hard to bring unity? Ephesians 4. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Look at that last word. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Am I making every effort here to keep unity happening? Let me go out on a limb here. Let's just imagine that you're in a group and not everybody in your group at Blackhawk Church feels the same way about the presidential election that you do. Let me just go out on a limb here. We live in a very blue dot in a kind of a red uh, state. And those of us in Madison have the tendency to think that everybody that goes to Blackhawk is, well, part of that blue dot. But you know what? <laughs> That's not the case. Let me ask you a question. Do people who are not going to vote like you, do they feel welcome in your group? Do people who are not going to vote like you, do they feel comfortable around you? When you're in a group, or when you're in a conversation, do you make every effort to get people to vote like you? Or do you make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit? I'm not saying that voting is not important. It's extremely important. But... Godly, committed Christ followers, you guys, can come to different conclusions about who to vote for. I mean, give me a break. Those differences, those differences are applauded at Black Hawk Church. Because we're not about uniformity, where everybody is the same, absolutely. 
We're about unity. Different kinds of people feeling different kinds of ways about different kinds of subjects, but playing the same song to the glory of God. That's unity. One more tip from Proverbs. Am I trying to understand the other side? Proverbs 17. The one who has knowledge uses words with restraint, and whoever has understanding is even-tempered. Even fools are thought wise if they keep silent and discerning if they hold their tongues. Fools find no pleasure in understanding, but delight in erring their own opinions. When we get into situations where we feel the conversations become very tense and someone is starting to talk and you can kind of see the veins on their neck start to bulge out, here's a pastoral hint. There's probably a story behind the bulging veins. Something has probably happened to that person in their past. They might have had many things happen to them that are serious. In a conversation with someone who disagrees with us, does anyone stop and say, help me understand? I noticed that this is really an emotional topic for you. I want to understand that. Help me understand why you feel the way you do about this subject. That's just a tip. These are all tips. These are the kind of things that might lead us to becoming a place of unity. You guys, as we try to follow Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit is a power and he wants us to become a unified group of people. The Apostle Paul refers to the body of Christ as one new humanity. Not uniform. Different kinds of people from different kinds of places, different kinds of backgrounds, all unified in the body of Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. You guys, we have an opportunity today in 2020 like we have never had. Our culture is tearing itself apart. Here in the church, we can be a place and a people of unity. You guys, when that happens, oh man, it's not ordinary, it's refreshing. And everybody listen to this. Today, it's breathtaking.